Hello, and welcome to Hope Church. We're a local church with chill style, real faith, and no perfect people allowed. Thanks for checking out our podcast. This is a message from our SoCal location in the Santa Cruz, California area. We hope this message is encouraging. If you live near either of our locations, we'd love to have you join us for one of our many Sunday services. All right, good morning. Hope Church, what is happening? You're like, Tim, you're a little too... A little too chipper for a rainy Sunday morning. Hey, listen, you know why I'm excited right now? Because all of you got out of the bed on a rainy morning. And hey, even, listen, for all of you online, you, you had enough in you to open up the laptop and push the button. Listen, we respect that. We respect that. We're not going to judge that. Hey, um, welcome to Hope on um, a rainy Sunday, which is just amazing like we, we don't have these days and um it's so good i can i can i point out this 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 cone right here i was standing in the back and i i was trying to worship but all i could see was the cone was anybody else with me on that like like why what's going on here i think this is still telling us if you're gonna like rush the stage be careful be careful there's some sharp edges right here i want you to be careful of that and now no since nobody will will see anything but the cone i'm gonna go ahead and put it back here all right, okay, all right. Now, I can focus, and now maybe you can focus. Um, hey, it's Tim, and I'm part of the church, and uh, we're so stoked that you're here today, for real. We're stoked that you're here. And um, for those, sorry, uh, online, this won't apply to you, but for everyone who's here, we are still going to do pancakes today after this service. We'll make them out there, but we'll set up some tables here in the back, and you can come in, you can sit at the tables, or you can sit in the chairs and still enjoy pancakes together, and so we're glad that you're here today. All right, well, we are in week number two of a sermon series called Essentials, and what we're doing is we're walking through what we consider to be the essentials of the Christian faith. Um, what, what is at the heart of following after Jesus? Like, like, what should you know, what should you understand about following Jesus that will help you as you move forward? We have what we like to, to describe as a large tent here at Hope Church. All are welcome. People from all across the spectrum in any given area plug in here at Hope as part of their faith community. But knowing that, we also have a group of essentials, things that you can come in at any end of the spectrum in any particular issue, but we want you to know where hope is when it comes to these things. And so Chris did a great job last Sunday of kicking this off and talking with us about the Bible, the Bible being the inspired word of God. And I, I couldn't think of anyone better to teach that message than Chris. Uh, he's a master at teaching the Bible, and, um, and we're so glad that he's part of our team. And so today, I get the very, very easy, easy uh, topic um, to explore together here today called the Trinity. And if you haven't been around the church, the reason why you hear laughter is because the Trinity is something that is completely not understandable. So there you go. So that's, that's it. We're, we cannot understand the Trinity, and so our human minds can't, can't, can't comprehend it. And so nevertheless, we're going to explore it today. 
um, even though we can't really grasp it. And here's why. We, we, we have a reason for doing this. So if you look up here on the screen, does anybody remember these images from maybe like a decade or two or three ago? Does anybody remember these things, these 3D? Some of you do, right? And, and, and if you don't know what I'm talking about, so, so these became super popular. Like people like framed these things and put them like on their walls. And for me, that was just a big mockery. Because here's, here's what happened with these, if you're not familiar. So with these, I don't know, maybe you could do it with this one, but probably not. I don't think. I think it has to be like live and in person. But if you stared long enough at the thing, eventually an image would pop up out of this, and you could see something, right? Does anybody see something in this image right here? Okay, good, good. Because we would have had a challenge, and like I would have had to overcome that hurdle in our relationship, you and me, because... I never once saw the image come up out of the thing. And I, like, like, like a fool, I, like, I, I looked at those things forever, and I was like, oh, come on, come on. You know, and I was like trying to will my eyes to see this thing. Did, did, so who here knows what this is, and you could see the images when, when they came out? Raise, raise your hand. Some of you could see it. Okay. Whew. All right, how, is anybody else like me that could not see the thing? Okay, okay, good, good, good. All right, all right, all right. Austin, Nicole, I knew, I knew that I had some, some like-minded people here. Um, I could never see these images out of the, the thing. And, um, you know, there are things in life and things in your faith that are like this. You can look, and you can look, and you can look, and you can look, and you still won't quite grasp it. The Trinity is like that. And so today, as we explore what the Trinity is, we're going to uh, not so much focus on what the Trinity is, although I'm going to describe that. I'm going to talk about why the Trinity matters to us in our limited perspective. Okay, you following me so try to go just at the best like, like rate that I can, best pace, so that I don't lose anybody here. But we're going to talk about this, this particular truth. We're going to talk about this truth, that there is one God who exists in three persons. All right? So God is one, but he exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, let me just get a few things out of the way here. First of all, you won't ever find the word Trinity in the Bible. It's, it's not there. It's not in the original language. It's not, you won't open up your Bible. If you see that word in your Bible, go ahead and set that Bible down and pick up like another one because that's not a good interpretation. The word Trinity is not in there. We see the Trinity, though, and we're going to explore that here in just a bit. So the word Trinity is not in there. Also, if you've ever been around church, you know, any length of time, and you've heard somebody try to explain the Trinity, this one God in three persons, they'll try to use analogies that fall apart. They're not really good analogies, but it's our attempt to try to put some framework on it. For example, they'll use this analogy, if you've ever heard this in the church, of water. Like, you have water, but water can exist in three forms, right? 
you, it could be liquid, it could be a solid, and ice, or it could be vapor, right? It could be, and you hear this, like, this description of the Trinity, but it falls apart because water is, is one element in three different forms. God is not. God is one, but each of the three, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, are separate elements inside of God. Does that, does, have I lost you already? You're like, it's Sunday morning, it's still dark outside, and, and it's raining. Like, I made, I made, I made it here. And you're, having, you're making my mind work here today. Well, let me tell you where we find the Trinity in the Bible, where we find passages, and we're going to explore some of these passages together. And then I want to talk about why it matters. Like, as we read through these things, in your mind, you may be thinking like me, okay, that's cool, Tim. So what? Like, what, what does it matter for me whether or not I understand the Trinity or begin to understand it. We're going to explore that. So hang on with me, all right? Let's jump into the scripture. And actually, we go right at the start. Genesis chapter 1, we see the the Trinity. If you're not familiar with the Bible, Genesis is the first section of the Bible. There are 66 sections of the Bible that collectively make up the Bible that we come to. You're going to see these words up on the screen, so you can follow along right there on the screen. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. I I wasn't kidding you. Right from the beginning. You ready? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now this is God the Father. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, this is God the Spirit, was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now, you're like, okay, I got God the Father, I got God the Son. What about God, uh, I mean, I got the, God the Spirit. What about God the Son? When God said, let there be light, the Word of God is Jesus. In John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then a little bit later in the chapter, it says, and the word, Jesus, became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. Meaning he, he, he moved into our earthly neighborhood, right? This is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit right in the first few verses of the Bible. Go a little bit farther down in Genesis 1, it says this. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. So God is having a conversation with himself. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're talking amongst themselves, and God says, let's make mankind in our image. Are you seeing it? Let's keep going. I'll show you some more. Let's slide over to the New Testament, and it says this in Matthew 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened, And the Spirit of God descended like a dove and landed on Jesus, and a voice from heaven. So you got Jesus, the Son, God the Father, uh, uh, the Spirit. And a voice from heaven, God the Father, said, This is my Son whom I love. 
With him I am well pleased. Isn't, isn't that, but this is a little side to, to our, this message today, but isn't that amazing that in the moment where Jesus is affirmed, how many of you have longed, you don't have to raise your hand, how many of you have longed for a, a parent to look at you and say, this is my son, this is my daughter, I am so pleased with you, right? You know how special that is? And in this special moment for Jesus, we see God the Father, God the Son, Jesus in the middle of it, and the Spirit, God the Spirit. It's amazing. All right. Further on in Matthew, Jesus now has resurrected from the grave. And here's what he says to his followers. Last words. You know how last words are very, very important? We just did a memorial service here last Sunday. Karen and I led a memorial service for someone who, who reached out for the love of Jesus in the final moments of her life. You know what, how important last words are? Here's Jesus' last words. Go and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Jesus, in his final words, pointed us toward the Trinity. Finally, 2 Corinthians 13. This is what the early followers of Jesus said about the Trinity. Paul said, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So we see the Trinity all over the Scriptures from beginning to end. It's woven all throughout. And like I said, if you're like me, you say, okay, Tim, so what? Even if I begin to understand that there are three persons in the one God, what difference does that make in my life? Here's what we know to be true. The things that we love about God, the things that we want to be true about us, the things that we long to see more of in this world, just take a message. I'm all right. Just take a message. Um, tell them I'll call them after the service. Um, the things we love about God, the things that, that we want more of ourselves, the things that we want more of in this world only happen, only come about because of the Trinity. And you're like, all right, Tim, I'll, I'm, I'm going to take you on that. I'll trust you on that one. Show me. Show me what's happening. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some of the things that are only possible because of the Trinity, and especially as Jesus leads us to see him. Are you ready? All right, here we go. Jesus, in the course of his ministry, chose to reflect some things toward us. And the things he reflected toward us came from the Trinity. And here's why this is important for you and me. Because Jesus, as part of the Trinity, reflected some things toward us with the intent that we would receive them, that we would enjoy them, that we would be changed by them, and that ultimately we would reflect those things out to a world around us that desperately needs them. 
right? So the Trinity gave Jesus some things to reflect, to, to, to put out there into the world, and the heart of God is that you and I would then take those things and reflect them into the world around us. You, can I, can I make a dramatic statement here? It's part of my contract as a pastor. Like when I sign the contract, one of the clauses in there is I'm allowed to be like really dramatic when, when I need to be. God's plan is that you would understand these things and that you would reflect them to a world around you. You, it is your responsibility to reflect Jesus who reflects the Trinity to the world around you. So it's, uh, it's important. It's important that we, that we explore some of these things. So let me just give you a few. Just a few here. There's so many to choose from, but I'm going to give you a few. And uh, let's, let's, see, let's see how you relate to these. So the first thing that Jesus reflected that we're going to explore is unity. The Trinity itself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is a picture of unity. Single deistic form would not be able to model unity. Why? Because it's one. There's, a, there's like, there's no, there's nobody else to be unity. The Trinity enables to model unity. Watch this. Here's what Jesus prayed in John 17. I pray also, he's talking to the Father. He's praying to, to God the Father. I pray for those who believe in me that they may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I in them, and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed for our unity. Why? Because he knew that when the world sees true unity they see the love of God. Only the love of God reflects true unity. That's the Trinity. Jesus got that from the Trinity. The Trinity was true unity, and so he prayed and said, God, this is what I want for my followers. I want them to experience unity, because when they do, they'll not only be blessed by it, but they'll, they'll, they'll declare to the world around them that what I've said is true. I am who I say I am. I can do the things I said I will do. That comes from the Trinity. So when Jesus reflected unity, he was giving us a visual, a picture, something to grab onto when it comes to the Trinity. Now listen, we're not, like I said, going to be able to understand exactly how one God in three persons works, but we can understand unity to some degree, can't we? That's something we can grab onto for the, for, for the Trinity. All right, here we go. So Jesus also chose to display for us diversity in the context of community. Diversity in the context of community. Where did he get that? He got it from the Trinity. Each one of the Trinity, all three parts, brings their own unique thing to the table. It's diversity, right? Diversity is at the very heart of God. 
When, when, when you hear people talk about diversity, and, and I hear people, okay, so, so, so it's also in my contract as a pastor that I'm also able to, to like ruffle some feathers every now and then, right? So I'm going to ruffle some feathers here. When you hear people in the church talking about diversity in the culture around us and being passionate about diversity, even racial diversity, I hear people, Christians, criticizing them. No, 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 man. Listen, listen, Tim, as a pastor, I need to be pointed toward the gospel of Jesus. Leave the, leave the racial diversity stuff out of it. I need to be pointed to the gospel of Jesus, which sounds really spiritual, but it's not. Can I just tell you that? It's not spiritual. You know what's spiritual? The Holy Trinity of God is diversity. And so when we look at places in our culture and in our lives where there's not diversity, where a diversity of experience and, and opinion and, and all of that is rejected, you're rejecting the very heart of God. Right? And so when you hear someone like me talk about it, yeah, yeah, I should talk about it. Yeah, you should talk about it because it's at the heart of God. Now watch, Jesus did it within the context of community as well. How did he do that? Well, just look at his inner circle. Look at the 12 who followed Jesus, All right? You had fishermen and you had tax collectors. They were on opposite ends of the spectrum. Fishermen were trying to make a living as Jewish people Tax collectors were Jewish people who were trying to extort people like the fishermen by, by, by raising their taxes, by, by doing unfair things, taking money from them because they could and because they were greedy for wealth. And so if, if, if you've never seen this, if you've never like noticed this or been taught this or, or been exposed to this, you absolutely love this. How many of you just love awkward moments? You, do, do you just love awkward moments? I, I'm, I'm okay with awkward moments. I am. And I'll just give you a heads up, like if we're ever in a group setting and there's prayer involved, I love to call on people to pray. And you know what I do? I, I ask someone to pray, and then I just close my eyes and I bow my head. And I just wait. There's about five seconds go by, and I know everybody, everybody in the place is like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? I'm just, I'm just chilling. I'm not going to open my eyes. Eventually, the person prays. And you know what happens? It's the best, best prayer you've ever heard. It's the best prayer you've ever heard. I did that one time, and a woman came up to me um, afterwards. She pulled me aside because I called on her husband to do that, to pray. And she, she came up to me afterwards, and she's like, Tim, that's the first time I've ever heard my husband pray out loud in my life. I was like, yeah. Now, they didn't come back after that. But <laughs> it was an amazing moment, let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, they, they actually became um, some of our core leaders um, in that church. Where was I going with that? <laughs> Awkward moments. Okay, so... Jesus is building his team, right? He's building his dream team. Imagine the moment when the fishermen meet the tax collector. 
what is going on here? Like, the tax collectors were enemies. Enemies. Oh, they hated tax collectors. The tax collectors hated themselves because they knew they were extorting their own people, right? Imagine this moment where Jesus brings these groups of people together in community. Where does that come from? The Trinity. The Trinity is diversity. The Trinity is community. Jesus is simply reflecting to his followers what he brought about, what he came to bring about because of the Trinity. You see it? All right, let's, let's, let's look at a couple more. When Jesus chose equality, he was reflecting the Trinity. Each one of the Trinity is God. But none of them, none of them compete with each other. They all, at its purest form, love each other. They all support, they all are on the same page, are perfectly equal. So what did Jesus do when he came to this earth? He got on his knees and he served other people. Why? Because equality, Jesus always was, but if I could put this in human terms, equality is what, how he was brought up. It's all he knew. It was equality. Yeah, I'm God, but I'm not here to God over you. I'm here to serve you. I'm here to walk with you. Right? Um, Jesus said it like this. He was talking to his followers, and he said, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus modeled with his life equality, which informs how you and I see and interact with other people. We are not the people, those of us who follow Jesus, we are not the people who ride in on our white horses, having everything together, helping out those people down there. We are beggars serving other beggars. We are the needy serving the needy. This is how it works. You come up in here on a Saturday morning when Hope Feeds is here, you're going to see this in action every single Saturday in our upper parking lot, Hope Feeds. You want to come, volunteer. They get here at 9.30? 9. Oh, sorry. Get here at 9 on a Saturday, and you get to help not just be the hands and feet of Jesus, but you get to reflect the aspect of the Trinity called equality. We, we don't have everybody rolling up in their G-wagons here, serving all of the homeless people who come in. We have, we have people from all across the spectrum, whether, whether you slept outside last night or you slept in your million-dollar house on the, on the cliff. Everybody comes to the table together, serving each other. This is how Jesus designed it. Do you know what that's a reflection of? I hope you do by now. The Trinity. 
Watch this. There's one more I'm going to show you. One more. And then I'm going to wrap this up. When Jesus chose love, he was reflecting the Trinity. This is the ultimate, ultimate reflection. You know what it takes to love someone? It takes two people, right? Like, I have, if I love someone, I have, my love has to be directed toward someone else. There has to be another person. This is why the triune God, the Trinity, they model for this. This is why God is love, because they have perfect love one for another, the Trinity. 1 John says it like this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Now watch this. You, you remember we're talking about the Trinity, right? You remember that? Okay. And this is his command. To believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, there's the Son, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands, there's God the Father, lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gives us. Father, Son, Spirit. See, when we reflect these things, like Jesus did, we reflect Trinity. When we reflect these things like Jesus did, we begin to tangibly grasp who the, the Trinity is. One God in three distinct persons. It's the only way you and I can can ever really sort of grab a hold of anything dealing with the Trinity is to simply live in light of what the Trinity gives us and reflect it to a world around us. I'm going to give you one last shot here to focus in on what we're trying to say. Listen to James Olds. He's a professor of molecular neuroscience at George Mason University. Do we? Um, how many fellow... Um, um, molecular uh, neuroscience professors do we have in here? <laughs> no? None? I, yeah, I was, I was, I was, um, I prom I was totally going to go in, the, in that field, but there was like, there were all these politics in like that department, and it was just a big thing, and I said, you know, I, no, I'm, I'm going to be a pastor. Um, here's what he said. Watch this. And you're like, man, Tim, really? You're going to try to close a message with a quote from a molecular neuroscience professor? Yeah. Watch me. Go with me. Ready? To a large degree, your brain is what makes you you. It controls your thinking, problem-solving, and voluntary behaviors. At the same time, your brain helps regulate critical aspects of your physiology, such as your heart rate and your breathing. And yet your brain, a nonstop, multitasking marvel, runs on only about 20 watts of energy, the same wattage as an energy-saving light bulb. Did you know that? Wow. 
Still, for the most part, the brain remains an unknown frontier. Neuroscientists don't yet fully understand how information is processed by the brain of a worm that has several hundred neurons, let alone the brain of a human being that has 80 to 100 billion neurons. The chain of events in the brain that generates a single thought, behavior, or physiological response remains mysterious. They still have not scratched the surface of the human brain. That they don't, they don't hardly understand it in, relative to, to what's there to understand. The brain is the most complex known biological structure in the universe. In fact, he says, when researchers do figure out how it works, they will accomplish perhaps the greatest scientific achievement in recorded human history. That's, that's pretty impressive, right? We don't question our inability to understand the complexity of the human brain, but we sure do enjoy the benefits of, of using it and what it does for us, right? Same with the Trinity. We, we don't have to question. We don't have to feel stupid. We don't have to doubt the existence of God because of our inability to fully understand the Trinity. All we have to do is look to Jesus. And he reminds us what we can understand about the Trinity. And he reminds us of the value of it. And he reminds us that those are the very things that he wants you and I to reflect to the world around us. At the end of the day, this is how the Bible Project guys say it. At the end of the day, it's not about your ability to understand God as the Trinity. The point is to know and be known by this God so that you can participate in his love. So yes, today, we've tackled a complex thing. But the complex thing is not the thing. The thing is that we are known and loved by this God so much so that he sent Jesus so that you and I could get glimpses of the Trinity and embrace that love. And not just embrace it, but reflect it to the world around us. We hope this message encouraged you to take the next steps in your relationship with God. The cool thing is that you don't have to do it alone. There are a lot of ways you can get connected here at Hope. Not only do we want you to feel at home at Hope, we'd love to help you find a home. Please check out discoverhope.church and click connect or just email us at info at discoverhope.church. Lastly, we give everything we can away for free and rely 100% on volunteers and donations to support this ministry. If you'd like to give to the Mission of Hope Church, you can select the Give option on our website or text any amount to 831-800-2060. Thanks again for tuning in.